Who's to know if your soul will fade at all? The one you sold to fool the world. You lost your self-esteem along the way. Yeah. Right now it's 16 minutes past the big hour. Is that not right, Mr. Scream? Hey! Welcome back in Colorado's biggest and best live hockey radio show right here on My High Sports. It's the hockey show. We're going to the phones on the man advantage power play number one. We've got John Forslund, play-by-play broadcaster of the Seattle Kraken and NHL on NBC. I'm excited to see what he gets taken care of with the Kraken. But of course, right now, he's the one calling all the Avs Blues games. So let's get into that with John. John, thanks for joining us uh, with JJ and Ryan here. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. Absolutely. So you have a really non-biased opinion here, which is great. I'm excited to see that we got a little bit of a biased one since we are here in Colorado. But I guess, you know, we've seen the St. Louis Blues really fight, scratch and claw. They just can't seem to get anything done against the talent of Colorado. I guess, what are you seeing in this matchup so far in that respect? Well, you know, I think all-out talent will override most things, you know, in a playoff series. And there's no question the Avalanche have the, the edge there. But I think the most overwhelming aspect of their game is their overall speed and how quickly they play and how quickly they move the puck up the ice from their defense and it's really a non-existent forecheck right now for the blues if they can't choke off their defensemen you know on the way out then you're really not going to limit any time and space in, in the neutral zone and and that to me is where colorado cranks it up i mean they get they get tremendous uh, speed through the middle of the ice they get uh, the ability to uh, you know set up in the zone, go on the attack. So it's a 200-foot scenario, and I, and I don't think uh, St. Louis has figured out that answer. Now they've they've been better, uh, you know, fits and starts and here and there, you know, within the within the two three games, but just not enough. So basically, I think what they're going to have to rely on is a break or two. They're going to have to rely on a power play. They're going to have to rely on over-the-top goaltending from Bennington, uh, and he's been good, but he hasn't been exceptional. And he's almost going to have to be, you know, letter tight now to, to, to get it done. So it's insurmountable as far as I'm concerned. I think Colorado just has to play their game tomorrow. And a sweep, I think, is very likely. John, I always say hockey is a game of mistakes. And it seems like, especially when it comes to playing against the Avalanche, you can't really afford to take many. We saw um, Miko Ratanen and Nathan McKinnon connect on a goal, I think, in game one where the coverage was blown on them. They were both wide open. We see uh, uh, things like Jordan Bennington coming out to play that puck and basically spotting the Avs a goal in what was arguably their best game last night. Um, Do you think, you know, with the pressure of the, the series on the line for the Blues that this is something that they're they're going to be able to maybe recover from? I don't know if they can recover. They might recover for one game. Um, I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, they, they have a championship pedigree. They have a tremendous character in that locker room. Um, O'Reilly's had an okay series. Uh, probably for him, it's not what he would like. Um, you know, but it, it isn't a situation of a, a lone ranger. And, and I think, you know, David Perron not being uh, available, you know, on the COVID list, that's been that's been costly for St. Louis in terms of scoring. You know, a natural finisher, which they could use to complement their lineup. You know, right from the outset of Game One, when Braden Shen was throwing those thunderous hits until Landeskog decided to take matters into his own hands. You know, you could see that they wanted to play a thump style. They wanted to try and uh, get to the Avalanche that way. 
Um, that never usually works in hockey. You know, if you can skate, move the puck, and you have a ton of talent, um, you're, you're usually going to be successful if the other team tries to run you. So um, I just think that St. Louis will be way better. Um, I'm just worried about their lineup. I'm worried about, you know, the hits they've taken on defense, and those are very important players that are out of their lineup. They, they would need everyone on board to uh, have a chance to, to upset the avalanche, and it just doesn't look like they have that. I want to get into Ryan O'Reilly a little bit uh, there. You mentioned him. He's a minus six so far in the series, and yeah. I think he was a minus six in the first two games there. So obviously having a tough go for him, but do you put that onus more on Ryan O'Reilly, or is it just simply the talent of the avalanche that he's unable to, I guess, defend here? To me, he looks like a player that's sapped with his energy, okay? I, I just think he's gassed, and, and, I, and I think he's trying real hard. And, and he, again, he needs help. And and I think when your your checking assignment is uh, Nathan McKinnon, mm-hmm. uh, good luck good luck to anybody in the National Hockey League and that line. So you know usually when we talk about matchups, you know it's not necessarily center on center. It's defense pairing, number one defense pairing on number one line. And now the number one defense pairing, which was Justin Falk and Tori Krug, um, it's been dismantled because of Falk's injury. So uh, that's a tough one there. And so not the the entire onus cannot go on O'Reilly. But look at the situations they put him in. Um, I, I believe in, in game two, there were 56 face-offs in the game. O'Reilly took 44. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's just a lot of workload, and he's had a long season. And, you know, maybe maybe he can find another gear. But to me, as an independent observer, I just see a player that's uh, that's exhausted right now and exhausted in his role in the series. And, again, against the speed and talent of the avalanche, it could become overwhelming. John, we were talking before the uh, break here about Nazem Kadri's hit in the subsequent yeah. suspension that followed it. And I'm curious just your thoughts on the play in general. I thought it, you know, maybe not as much malicious intent, but maybe a little circumstance of the, the play. Um, and then I was surprised by the amount of games that he got. So was I. I mean, I'm going with my initial thought, which is, you know, right after the game, we had a conversation independently about this, and they asked me, and I said, I think he'll get two games, maybe three. I think three games of a playoff series, if you want to go to four, that's pretty significant. You're basically going to take a player out of a series. Uh, So, you know, an eight-game suspension is pretty substantial in the regular season, is it not? If there's an eight-game suspension and an 82-game schedule, we're talking about a a, a major one. Uh, And now it's an eight-game suspension in the playoffs. So this will dip into this series. It could dip into the next series. I don't know if that's fair. It's a suspendable hit. There's no question about it. Based on the rules and based on the logic of the rules and everything and and the review process, there's no question. I believe he was backtracking. I believe it was not entirely malicious. But I think what we're running into in the NHL today, and it's very unfortunate, is striking the balance and finding consistency with all of these rulings. I can't figure it out. I've been in the game over 35 years. I I can't figure it out. Um, And I I think that's where we're running into trouble here because, yes, he's a repeat repeat offender, um, but it almost seems like based on other things that have happened this year, they almost said we have to do something with this one. And that's not fair to Nazem Kadri. So, uh, yes, he should be suspended. I think it should be at the most three games. That's what I thought. Uh, and and could have lived with two, but eight to me is over the top. If you're asking my opinion, John, changing gears a little bit, I'm curious as as somebody who frequently does multiple games very quickly with a quick turnaround series, a lot of travel. How do you prepare for you know kind of carrying the weight of two series, the Avs Blues and a lot of Pittsburgh and the Islanders? 
Yeah, and we started the Vegas-Minnesota series, right? So we started that one last Sunday, and I still have to keep my eye on it because I think we're going to tie it up in a bow at some point. So we might be on that series in six or seven if it goes that far, which is likely. So um, it's hard, um, and but it's a labor of love. I don't have a problem with that. The travel and the repetitious uh, nature of the scheduling cuts into your prep time. That's the only thing that's really arduous about this is that you don't have enough time to get the amount of prep that, that I feel I need to be really confident and comfortable going into a game. I get it done, but at the expense of fatigue and, you know, and that's when as a broadcaster, you know, you, you'll slip, you'll, 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 you'll get something wrong. You'll make a mistake. It's usually based on, you know, your, your rest and how fresh you are. So the first round is, is uh, a little bit different this year too, because it's a mixed bag for us. We're in the arena. We're also in the studios in Stanford. Um, and, and calling the game off monitors is, is not a lot of fun. It's not the way to do it. It should never happen in a playoff game, but it is because of COVID and, and the situation we're in right now. Second round, once the locals are done, I think we're going to be exclusively in the buildings, and that'll be really good, and I think the crowds will continue to grow. And maybe by the end of this, we'll be almost back to normal. At least the appearance of that will be present. That will be good. But that, that to me, is the, is the trick. And the other thing, too, in a playoff series, is that as a national broadcaster, don't kid yourself. There's absolutely no way you can know every single thing about both teams. You're not even going to come close to where the, at the local level. And the fans are used to their local broadcasters, and they're used to getting that slanted approach in each market, which is really good. Got a great crew there in Colorado, and, uh, and and as a national guy, you just want to make sure you have enough information that you carry it through properly for both sides, and don't try to think you can you have it all because you don't. Just keep it simple in a playoff game. Let the game dictate the emotion. Let the game dictate all of the stories, and that's the beauty of a playoff game. It's really face off to face off, shift to shift, scoring chance to scoring chance. That's all it is. Everything else would happen in the regular season. Any kind of you know storylines you want to throw out there, it's it's a little bit of fluff. But in a real playoff game, it's all about shift after shift and what happens on the ice. This is the Hockey Show with J.J. and Ryan. We're talking to John Forslund of NBC Sports. John, along with that, tailing on the preparation question, of course, as you said, you've now kind of prepared and done your homework on six teams so far in the playoffs. Going into this season, the avalanche depth was really one of the biggest things. Now, comparing all those six teams you've kind of done your homework on and maybe even other ones that you've seen around the playoffs, how does this avalanche depth compare? And I guess, is it ready? Is it equipped to make the full run here to the finals? I believe so. I, I believe so. And I, I thought that way during the regular season. I had them quite a bit. Um, I've seen this coming over the last couple of years. Uh, I think they're ready to make that step. I think they, I, I, I think they're going to be able to do it. Um, and they would be my pick. They were one of my picks for uh, the Stanley Cup final, at least, uh, at the start of the season. And I usually don't renege on this unless I'm completely wrong. And so Colorado and Tampa Bay were the two teams that I picked. And I still believe that Colorado is the best team that I've seen so far. And I've covered Vegas, I think, four times this year. And they're right there with them. Um, it's going to be, if they do play in the second round, it's unfortunate it has to be in the second round, but that's the way it is. Um, but the Avalanche are a great team that, that really well coached too. I think that's the other thing about their game. There's so much attention on the McKinnon line. There's so much attention on offensive numbers and how they do things, but you look at their shot suppression, you look at their defensive metrics all year and you look at Bednar's coaching. Um, this guy 
is, I believe, a really good coach that deserves more credit than he gets. Um, and, and I just think the, the back end plays today's game. They move the puck better than most. They, they create everything off of off their defensemen. And they're proving that, you know, if you want to get in the trenches, they can take it. They can take a punch and give one back. And they have players that can do that. And there are guys on the sidelines right now that can come in and get healthier, but guys that are healthy that can come in and give them a contribution, uh, both on defense and up front. And you need that to go deep because you're going to have that war of attrition at some point. John, I want to ask you about a team that nobody knows anything about, and that's the official 32nd team of the NHL, the Seattle Kraken. And what do you anticipate uh, this transition to be like and being there for the the inception of a, a new NHL franchise like this? Well, I'm really excited and um, getting, you know, antsy to get there and, and to see it all. And I think as we get into July and you get into the expansion draft and you get into, you know, situations like that, you're going you're gonna to be able to see, you know, more and more excitement built. So that's basically what what I'm looking at. And, uh, you know, right now it's still the great unknown. You know, I haven't been there. Uh, I haven't been to the city yet. Uh, obviously went through a, a really extensive uh, selection process with them, which you know, I'm thankful for. And in my career, I, I get an opportunity to, to do this twice. Uh, I was able to mark time for 24 years with the Carolina Hurricanes and do it from day one, moving with the team from Hartford to Raleigh, watching that situation grow. And then at this stage of my career, to get the second chance at it, not many guys that do what I do get that opportunity. So I'm really thankful that this happened. Um, I was very surprised when things kind of broke down in Raleigh, but they did. And uh, another door opened for me. And I can't wait to get there. And I'll tell you what, I know that it's going to be an unbelievable experience. The building is going to be second to none. Uh, the, the organization has done some uh, groundbreaking things with, with their direction and the messaging they're kind of sending out uh, to, to the public. And then it's up to Ron, who I know very well, Ron Francis, to uh, put the pieces in place. And, and I know he will be. I know he'll be meticulous, well thought out, uh, everything he did in, in Raleigh. Because if you look at that hurricane lineup right now, that is a contender for the Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, handprints are all over it. I mean, uh, yes, they've made a couple of moves with a new owner and the, the management team they have now, but basically the drafting and developing of most of that roster is all about Ron Francis. So I expect some great things. Awesome, John. Well, thanks for hanging out with us and uh, ch- chatting some Avs Blues here and enjoy the rest of the series and, uh, of course, the rest of the playoffs. Okay, Ryan. Thanks so much. Good luck to you guys. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. There you have it. John Forslund, NBC Sports, another big name. He thought I was Ryan. I can't blame him. You asked uh, some good questions, so hey, thanks. They they just came to me. I know I'm I'm not on my A game today up here mentally, but those questions I like them too. So stick around. We'll be right back, and we're gonna talk to Mark Moser, a little more local, probably a little bit more biased, but that's okay. That's what we're here for. Let's pump the Avs tires. They're doing great. So we'll be right back on the hockey show. Stick around for Mark Moser, JJ Ryan, Danny Bailey behind the glass. <laughs> 